You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. It's our distinct honor to have with us Pastor Kevin Blake from Bay City, Texas. This weekend, they are hosting a large ladies' conference at their church. And so I know there's a lot of things going on, a lot of reasons you could have stayed but you took the time to be with us, amen. And we're honored to have him here today to preach to us. I could tell uh, a few funny things and, and a lot of stories, but he has been a friend to me since I came into the family. The first time I met him was at uh, Cracker Barrel in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, my wife and I, were, were uh, it was our first date at General Conference. I took her to the Grand Canyon. And before that, the day I called, I flew in early. I said, hey, I I, want to take you out to eat. She said, okay, I'm out to eat with my family. I was thinking that's like two other people. (laughs) I walked into Cracker Barrel, and they're like this whole section. I think the table had 30 people at it, and I couldn't figure out who was who. And I met brother and sister Kevin Blake at that time, and he's been such a friend to me. And I love and appreciate him so much. And I'm honored to have him here today. I know he has a word for the, from the Lord for us today. And we want him to preach. Amen. Today. We want to have church today. Amen. Come and preach to us. Amen. As the Lord leads you today. Put your hands together and welcome him back home to CTK. Thank you. I love you. Love you. Praise the Lord again, everyone. It is my distinct honor and joy be here with you on this wonderful occasion a hundred years this has been so good I can't wait for the next hundred what a great weekend and I was talking to my wife last night I said you know what the church just well like this church does has stepped up blew it out the box and did it with excellence and grace and just a tremendous day yesterday Friday night we heard a tremendous word from the Lord and uh, thank God for that and I do appreciate this so very much I uh, I feel today this long relationship with a church there's nothing more beautiful than an ongoing relationship in a church. You need a church. You need pastors and elders speaking into your life. You need a church. You need Sunday school teachers. You need groundskeepers and people that take care of the building. You need all of these things in your life. In fact, the Bible talks about things that are given to us for our example. And I am so thankful for what this church stands for, what it means in this community. Hallelujah. I can remember when my great uncle Wesley Miller was the pastor over on Portland. I remember those days. And then my, my grandfather, Grandpa Kenneth Bollinger, was the pastor for a few years. And, and then uh, my father was pastor for a good long while and now my cousins are pastors of this assembly and how the Lord has blessed down through the years 
and thank God for it. Lord bless you all. You can be seated. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you. And if I start calling names, it'd be here a while. It'll be kind of like that Cracker Barrel lunch with our family. I don't want to start that. But it is good to see you. You know who you are, and I'm glad that you're here, and, and I appreciate that so very much. There's a number of you I would rather hear than myself today, but uh, God bless you so richly. I want to just also take, and so much of this weekend has been focused on the past, and that's all right. We've looked back all the way to Brother Underwood and and that family and thank the Lord for the heritage that we have in the past, but we also have tremendous leadership in the here and now. In the here and now. Thank you for that. When I talk to my dad, uh, he is always so very complimentary of uh, Brother and Sister Romine, this church, the leadership, the direction the church is going. And he said, you know, I go in now and there's a lot of folks I don't know, especially the young ones. And he said, and there, it causes me a little pang in my heart, but at the same time, I rejoice over it because that's the way it works. It's the way of life. And uh, he says, oh, let me tell you what my pastor preached Sunday. Oh, it was tremendous. And he'll give me a little running commentary of what was delivered. And so thank the Lord for that. And I just want to say to you, as a pastor who is pastoring an old historic church myself. Bay City, Texas it goes back to 1921 and when a uh, tent was put up by Elder Gidrose went there and established a church and Elder Foss in 1922 went there and they held tent meetings and revivals and snakes crawled in the building and you know got people all fired up. You talk about the Mississippi Squirrel Revival you let a South Texas rattlesnake walk into, into a tent meeting and you'll get a revival. People will move. But as a pastor who pastors a church with a long history, and I've got people still living in my church family that were baptized by Brother Becton, Cleveland Becton, in the early 60s, late 50s. And so there's a long heritage how foolish would it be for me to go and say, you know, since I got to town 12 years ago, we've had revival. And so I never stopped pointing back and reminding folks, we've got a heritage, we've got a heritage. And so it speaks to the wisdom and the humility of your pastor that he's able to say with comfort, look back. Don't just look at me. Don't just look at what we're doing now, but let's look back and give credit and honor to the heritage that we enjoy today. And so thank you for that. How blessed it is for God's people to come together and dwell together in unity. Thank God. I want to take you this morning for a little while, going to the book of Isaiah for a single verse of Scripture, Isaiah 65 and verse 24. says, And it shall come to pass that before they call... I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I need to back up. I need to back up. We need to all hear this statement. 
It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about God's promise of answered prayer. Would you just lift your hand to him right now and breathe a prayer to him? Thank you, Lord. You see every need in every life, every home and every family. God, you see our financial picture. You know the family situations. You know our job situations. You know all of these details of life. And we trust you in all of these areas. We pray now that you'd bless your word. Give us wisdom, I pray. Talk to us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember many years ago, uh, we were traveling in Michigan, getting ready to go to the field, and I remembered that my uncle Stan had mentioned to me that there was a huge air show held every year about this time over in the Detroit area somewhere. And so I did a little checking and found out that it was that following week, and so we made plans to go and see the Blue Angels fly. I remember we got there and we parked uh, about a mile away from the air base and hiked in and found our way to the flight line. And we were standing in this vast crowd of people, enormous. I, they came over the loudspeaker, the PA system, and they announced. It seems like they said about 200,000 people were in attendance that day. It was a large crowd of people, about like our Bollinger-Miller family reunion. <laughs> and so I, I turned to my wife standing next to me, and I said, you know, Stan was call, uh, talking about coming to this air show last year. Wouldn't it be something if we ran into him today? And I had no more got the words out of my mouth than I turned back to my left and he's standing right by my elbow. <laughs> you know, we've been really busy the last few months. Busier than normal. And we were on the road the other day and I said to my wife, I've really had, and I named a friend. I said, there's a friend. I really need to call this friend. We, we talk regularly, but it's been quite a while and I'm not being a very good friend. And so I need to give him a call. And before I could even reach over and picked up the phone, my phone rang and it was that friend. How many have ever had an experience something like that? You start to pick up the phone and it rings and it's the one you were about to call. You start to go see somebody and before you can go to see them, they show up at your door. God made this wonderful statement. We just looked at it. He said, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. I really hope that today I can help somebody know and believe that the Lord is just as good as his word. He hears our prayer and he meets our need, responds. He even said, even before you ask, I'm there. He's an on-time God. We sing that once in a while. He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. He is so on-time that he said that before we even call on him, he's already at work on the answer. How awesome is that? Praise God. 
the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter and 19th verse, Paul said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so it's a tremendous thing to understand that not only does God involve himself with meeting our needs, he is also sympathetic enough to notice our deepest, most inner fearful thoughts. First Peter 5 and 6 I read, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And I looked at that original text. I looked at that and I saw that the word care as it is here in our English version really means anxiety. It means that human uh, emotion of worry. It literally means to divide your mind, divide your thinking. In other words, our cares are the things that come in and overwhelm our thoughts. The things we get all stressed out about. We humans are bad about thinking the worst about every possibility of life. We, we do. We stress out over those things. What if I get sick? What if my loved ones get sick? What if I lose my job? What if I go broke? What if my marriage falls apart? What if, what if, what if? And we worry and we stress ourselves in all of these areas of life. But the Word of God comes to me in such a marvelous way and commands us to give over to Him all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our anxieties over into the hands of the Lord because He cares about us. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, if you go on and you continue to read and look at the very next verses, it says in the 8th verse of 1 Peter 5, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered for a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. In other words, this is saying that there is a devil there is a devil. He wants to destroy you. He wants to bring you down. He wants to mess up your life. But resist the enemy in faith and God will strengthen you. And watch this. And God will settle you down. Oh, hallelujah. Before you can even call on the Lord, he has your answer. John 14 and 14 says, If you shall ask anything... In my name, I will do it. I didn't make that up on the way to church this morning. It's in the book. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And most of the time, you know, we hear that 14th verse quoted or we quoted ourselves and, and we stop right there, but you can't stop. You've got to keep reading because the writer's in the middle of a thought. He didn't stop there. He said, but in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, you can't expect verse 14 to come to pass if you're not practicing verse 15. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, keep my commandments. Praise God. We like the fact that the word of the Lord says, ask and you shall receive. But we usually stop right before we get to the part where we have to keep his commandments. 
The prosperity doctrine folks don't always remember to point this out. But it's there. Hallelujah. If you love the Lord, you'll keep his commandments. If you love the Lord, you'll do what his word says. You'll adjust your way of thinking to measure up with his. Praise God. Too many times we try to uh, get the Lord by the arm and twist his arm up behind his back and get him to see things are. That's not how it works. Oh, praise God. We enjoy his blessings. We like to hear about his blessings. Tell us about his blessings, Pastor. Tell us about how good he's going to be, how he's going to supply our needs and heal our bodies and, and bring, bring a wealth into our storehouse. Oh, but, but don't talk to us about keeping the commandments. That's not what we want to hear. James, the fourth chapter and second verse, it says, You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. I want you to notice this. You have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not. Seems to be a contradiction. You know, first it tells me the reason I don't have is because I don't ask. And then it says we ask and still don't receive. So what's the use of asking, we think, if we're still not going to receive? What's up with that? And the answer to why it is that so many people ask and do not receive is in the very next line. Because you ask amiss. Hallelujah. That means that you might have been asking with wrong motives. You may be asking God to meet our wants instead of our needs. We may be asking Him to follow after our will instead of trusting Him enough to ask Him to work out His will in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. I need the will of God first and foremost in my life. I need to let him have his way in my life. Before I get my way, I need to make sure that he's having his way in my life. Oh, praise God. Praise God. You see, in the fourth chapter of John, Jesus had a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. He began to explain to her his willingness to bless and give good gifts to his people. And in verse 10, Jesus said, if you understood the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. In other words, he was saying, if you just only understood who I am, if you had any idea who was standing here, if you had any idea who this conversation involved, oh, praise God, you would ask and I would give. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to understand that if you'll make that kind of a connection with the Lord and begin to rise up in your faith, you can ask anything in accordance with his will and it can be done. It will be accomplished. Oh, praise God. Praise God. 
It's for me, and it's for you, and it's for your children and their children too. We've done a whole lot of looking back. We've counted some days, and we've counted some years, and and 52, uh, what was it, 5,200 Sundays we've had together. Not all of us at the same time, but oh, God has had his hand on us every step along the way. Praise God. He was there. He was there in the shed across town. He was there in the smoky tent. He was there in this location and that location under that church name and that church name. He was there every step of the way. And when those people cried out for grace and mercy and they brought their needs to the Lord and surrendered them to him, God was there and he stepped in and worked the miracles and we're still talking about it 10 decades after the fact. He made a promise. If you'll ask, I'll answer. If you'll trust me, I'll be there. I'll be right on time. You don't have to worry about his ability. You've got to worry about your own ability to fit your will into his. Oh, hallelujah. In Romans 10 and 12, I read, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. God doesn't have one set of rules for the preacher and another set of rules for the lay member. This Bible tells me there's no difference in his willingness to bless one as he is to bless another. He's on time. He'll orchestrate things for his will, his purpose. And accomplish something great in something small. Years ago, I got a call and somebody was in the hospital over in St. Louis. I don't remember what the situation was. You know, sprained ankle or something. And so we got in the car and drove from Sparta over to St. Louis and walked in the, in the hospital and paid our visit. We were on our way back out. And uh, there in the hallway, I ran into Eric Graham. White face, panicky. He ran and he fell on my neck and he, oh, thank you for coming. I didn't know that the Grahams were there, but Susan was in the delivery room giving birth to quads. And I thought about that a little while ago. Brandon was up here and shouting the victory. And so we stood there and we, we prayed with Eric and Susan and prayed over those tiny little infants. Wow, wow. And they're just tiny little infants. And uh, at that time, they were not even part of our church family. But God orchestrated something that day. And there was a need, and so the Lord caused something to happen that was wonderful and marvelous. Oh, praise God. Thank the Lord for His goodness. There's no difference in his ability to do the same work for one as he can for another. Oh, hallelujah. Before you can even call on the Lord, he has your answer. Before you can even get the prayer request out of your mouth, before you can even pick up your phone, before you can get to church, before you can find your way to an altar, before you can get the pastor,
master on the line. He's already seen your need. He's already come up with the right solution. The Old Testament book of Jeremiah, we read that the nation of Israel was under a terrible threat of total destruction. The prophet Jeremiah had been arrested and thrown in prison. Jeremiah 33 and verse 1 says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Somebody needs to get some confidence in this Lord you serve. Verse 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God said, call on me, and I will answer. Watch and see what I'm about to do. The enemy thinks they're coming to wage war against you, but they're really coming to be slaughtered by me. Somebody needs to hear me right now. Hallelujah. The enemy of your soul is trying to make you believe that you're about to be bankrupted and wiped out. The devil wants you to believe that this pain and this sickness is unto death. He's trying to get you to believe a lie that your lost ones are never coming back into the fold. But God wants you to rise up in your faith today and truly believe that he is about to restore to you everything that the enemy has stolen away. Hallelujah. God wants you to believe in his promises to heal your body. The same Jesus who came to seek and to save this lost and dying world has come to bring your lost ones to a place of repentance. He's about to do it before you call on me. I will answer before you know about the situation. I've already got it fixed. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, for about seven years, I sat right over here with my, with my, uh, my family, my wife, and our daughters. And sat over here, and our girls didn't always sit with us. They got bigger, and they moved over here. But uh, you know what? We sat over here for a few years, and, and uh, I was gone most weekends, but... Uh, but uh, we were here during the week and other times, and we walked through some valleys together, and we experienced some things together, and we grappled with some questions together, but I found out that God was faithful. God never fails. He knows who you are today. He knows what's going on in your life. Oh, praise God. He knows about that situation that you're struggling with. He knows about that thing you walked the floor over last night. He's got it all in his care. If you'll put it in his hand, he said, before you even call on me, I'll hear about it. Before you even speak the words, I'll answer. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody may be here and you're going through a dark time in your life. I want to speak to you and tell you, don't give up just because you're going through a dark place. Just because you're going through a situation that brings questions to mind. Because when a train goes through a tunnel, it gets dark. You don't tear up your ticket and jump off the train. No, you trust in the engineer. 
Hallelujah. Even if you can't see your way through the trial, even if you haven't yet heard a voice from heaven, even if you don't know what to think or how to pray, you need to trust the Lord because he knows how to bring you out. Hallelujah. Many years ago when we lived in Africa, there was no phone service. If there was a desperate need to make a call back to America, I would go into the city, book an appointment at the telecommunications building. My dad can tell you about that. Then the next day, you go back and wait your turn. And when they would call me, I would go into a stifling hot phone booth like a tiny little dark closet and pick up an old-fashioned cast iron telephone and talk to the local African operator who was just in the other room. <laughs> and she would call London Telecommunications. This was in the days of, you know, plugging in physical switches. She would call London. The London operator would call New York. The New York operator would call St. Louis, the American number. And when your party answered on the other end, finally, I would hear them say hello three times. Not because they said hello three times, but because I would hear it here, 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 here as it made its way around the world. And then I would say hello and I would hear my own voice echo three times. It was terribly confusing. Almost impossible to get the simplest message through. Now our missionaries all have smartphones and texting and WhatsApp and email and you know, all of these instant communication devices. A while back, I called Nick Sisko in the middle of a service. And he answered in South Africa. Just so simple. But the believer's communication with the Lord is even faster than the speed of light and sound. He said, not when you call, before you call, I will answer. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. He knows about it. He knows about it better than you do. Remember, we were just about to dedicate this building. Just days away from dedication. And uh, I was in Dallas. Just getting ready to go to the pulpit. And my phone rang. And I wasn't going to take the call, but I looked down and I saw that it was Lindsay. Well, when your daughter calls, <laughs> everything else gets put on hold. And so I answered. And... Her voice was high-pitched and shrill, and she was just almost shrieking. She said, Daddy, there's a tornado headed for the church right now, and we're in it. Pray. And then I heard, like we talked about yesterday, heard from Dallas, I heard the sound of the tornado hitting the building, that rumble and the, you know, the crash, and people were crying and praying and it was a lot of bedlam and confusion. And I heard the roar of the 
of the tornado hitting the building. I, you know, I'm 800, 900 miles away, and, and I'm hearing all of this on the phone, and I can still hear the, the sound of Lindsay, and she's crying, and she's, she's kind of screaming and hysterical. And, and then the storm passed, and I couldn't hear anything except the sound of people still crying. And I began to call Lindsay. Lindsay! She wouldn't answer. She forgot she called me. The phone was still in her hand, but she was hysterical by then. She was, just, And I could still hear people out in the hall. Brother Moses, I could hear people out here in the hallway, and, and they were down on the floor. And finally, after, I don't know, two or three or four minutes, perhaps, Lindsay picked, saw the phone in her hand, and she said, hello? And I said, what's going on? She said, did you call me? I said, no, you called me. What's going on? She said, tornado just hit the building. And she said, everything up, all the ceiling, everything came down on us. And I said, but is anybody hurt? She said, no, we're not hurt. We're okay. So the next day I flew back into town. And the first place I came from Lambert was right down old Collinsville Road and turned in here and saw that crazy steeple. Walked into the building, and this was before the fire marshal had said we can't go in the building, and, and so walked into the building, and all everything, you know, all the ductwork and the ceiling tiles and the lights and the fixtures and everything was, that had been up was all down. You know, some of you remember what it looked like in here, shambles. And we walked up here and went into the, the little kids' room and power hour church and, and all of those things hanging down, and you'd see the little signs that the kids had made and the teachers had put up, and it, and it said, Jesus is here. God is with us. Hallelujah. And I thought, yes, even before we knew to call on him, he knew about that situation. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying right now. Somebody needs to begin to activate this promise in your own life. When I tell you that even before you ever prayed the prayer you've been praying, even before you ever spelled out your need, the Lord had looked into your future and he'd heard that unspoken prayer. Before you can call on me, I will hear. Hallelujah. He looked ahead and he saw your need. God saw that storm bearing down across that field before we even knew it was in the forecast. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He heard that prayer before you ever uttered it and he's in the process of speaking your miracle into existence. Oh, somebody needs to activate that. You need to get a hold of that here. Oh, praise God. You know, sometimes we think, we think of communication with God following a natural sequence of steps. And here's how we, here's how we picture it. First, we see our need. Then, we pray a prayer, and then God hears and starts the response process. That's how we picture it. But as we look at this just a little closer, we begin to understand that's not how it works. We begin to understand that God is able to identify the need even before we've seen it. He's able to start answering the prayer even before you've prayed it. Would you walk with me a step farther? 
Let me give you a little more proof. Exodus 2 and 23 says, and it came to pass in process of time. We want microwave instant coffee. We want it accomplished yesterday. We want the miracle at the moment we recognize it. But here it says, it came to pass in a process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Here's an example of a prayer of desperation going up from men to God. And what they didn't know was God had already provided the answer. The people of Israel were sick of their bondage. They cried out to God and what they didn't know was that 30 years earlier, God had guided an Egyptian princess down to a specific spot along the Nile River to take a bath. And when she came to the river, she saw a basket and she heard a baby cry and she took that baby into her house to raise... There's no way that baby Moses was the very man that God would use. She didn't know that. When she picked that baby out of the bulrushes, she didn't know what this baby was going to grow up to be. She could not know that baby Moses was the very man that God was going to use to miraculously liberate Israel in response to a prayer that had not yet been prayed. Somebody needs to allow this word to settle into your heart today. Somebody needs to expand your understanding of the power of God to answer our prayer. Hallelujah. So many times we see a need and so we go to God in prayer and we say, Lord, I've been studying this situation and I think I've got a solution. So if you'll just pay attention to me, Lord, do things this way. Here's my list. Here's my blueprint. Here's my set of instructions. I've got it all figured out. And so we come to the Lord and say, Lord, now pay attention. So many times we see the need and so we come to God in prayer and that's not wrong. It's the right thing to do. But when we go to God in prayer we're picturing our prayer as something needed to inform God something needed to stir him up and get him moving we're picturing our need that is to us an emergency and so we pray hoping to set in motion an answer to that need What somebody needs to understand today is that God has the ability to foresee that need. He has the ability to provide the answer before we even recognize that there was a need. He'll often respond to that need according to our faith and faithfulness even before you pray the prayer. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I'm not taking anything away from our need to pray. Yes, we're still commanded to pray in obedient faith and let our needs be made known unto God. But understand and recognize he knows the way that you take. Hallelujah. What a reassurance it is to understand that God can work in both ways. He can work after the fact in response to the prayer of faith. But he can also begin to work on our behalf even before we know what we need to be praying for. We've seen so many times how the Lord would work a financial miracle out for us and the timing would be something supernatural. He would do it. He would do it. Years ago, we were trying to sell our house in Steelville, get ready to head for Mission Field. And for about eight months after our appointment, no sale, no sale, because we couldn't start that deputation travel that I talked about an hour or so ago. Couldn't start yet. Deputational trail was full of missionaries, and so they told us we'd have to wait a year. And so eight months. Then all of a sudden, one day, I get the call from WEC, and they say, uh, you can start uh, right away. Well, how soon is right away? Like in two weeks. Hey, I've got a church I need to resign. I've got a house I need to sell. I've got a lot to do. So I went out and drove a sign in the front yard, house for sale by owner. And a lady walked up and knocked on my door. And said, uh, this house for sale? Yes. Could I have a look? Well, okay. And she, I'll never forget, she stepped in the front door just like this, and we had a, a little doormat right there by the front door, and she walked in from, it, we had no foyer, it was a tiny little German-built house, 100 years old, and she stepped in and stepped on that, on that welcome mat, and when she did, she stopped and she went, she opened her eyes and she said, I want it just the way it is. What does that mean? I want it just the way it is. And she bought our house and everything in it. (laughs) Furniture. Bath towels. She even liked the towel hanging by the sink. I want that too, she said. Pots and pans. She bought the pots and pans in the cup. She bought the house and everything in it. Before you breathe the prayer, I'll answer it. I remember once in a conference general conference and the Lord began to deal with me about giving an offering larger than I had ever dared to give. So I leaned over to my wife and I, by the way, she wishes so much she could have been here this weekend. She's, she was in very torn. I said, you got to stay at your conference. You can't miss it. So (laughs) So I leaned over and I told her what I was feeling. And we could not afford it. We had young kids and our budget was tight. But the urging of God was so forceful that I finally stepped out and 
I walked to the front of that arena and I gave it. I'm not telling this to heap any roses on myself. I'm here to talk about what the Lord did. When I turned and I walked back to my seat and got there, my wife was just weeping. She was sobbing. She fell on my shoulder. She was sobbing. She said, as soon as you stepped out in the aisle, somebody walked up and tapped me on the back and put in my hand three times the amount that you had just told me you were about to give. Before you even ask. Before you even know. Before you're even aware. I'm doing a work. Before you've spoken it. I've provided it. So when we think about our concept of what it seems to be the only natural occurrence of our prayer plus his, his, his ability to hear and his answer, we need to step back and rethink how God is able really to work. Let me draw this to a close. I'll invite our musicians back. Already heard about it in the first hour this morning. How Grandpa Blake found his salvation here. Some of you remember my Grandpa Blake. What a character. What a character. Our ladies in the back waving their hand, yes. I remember pulling up on the parking lot after my grandma had passed and he was coming to church all alone and he was, I think, 92 years old and he'd pull in in his old little silver minivan and he would struggle out and he was all bent, stooped over on his cane and he would start for the front door and I felt so sorry for him creeping along. He would get almost to the front door and he would look through the glass and he would see Sister Greathouse and Sister Shirley on the inside. And all of a sudden, transformation would take place. And that old Marine <laughs> tossed that cane over his wrist, walk in through the glass doors back here. How's my pretty girls, he'd say. <laughs> you know, some things you just don't ever get away from. So... He had been a difficult person. You couldn't talk to him about salvation. You'd get yourself in big trouble. He was very hard. He had a bad temper. He was stubborn. And you did not want to get a tongue lashing from him. And so you had to really be careful in how you spoke to him. But I'll never forget that Sunday when he voiced for the first time, about thinking about coming to the altar. And I said, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to come with you. He kind of left it at that. And so I'll never forget, when it came time for the altar service, and that's where we are right now, when it came time for the altar service, and I was up here somewhere, and the Lord spoke to me, said, now's the time, go get him. And I said, kind of, Lord, if you want him, go get him yourself. <laughs> he was sitting right back there about where Brother Olmstead is. And 
And so the Lord's now go get him. And so I, I turned and walked down this aisle right here. And, and when I got almost to him, he changed his mind since lunchtime. He changed his mind. He was mad at me for coming to get him. And I saw the fire coming out of those old blue eyes and thought, oh, I'm in trouble. And I got almost to him. And if any of y'all were sitting by him that day, I apologize on his behalf because, man, he cussed me right here in the church house. And I got him by the elbow right back there. And I said, come on. I just kind of tugged him off balance. And it was like when he took one step, he couldn't stop coming. And we got out in the aisle and we started down and he was still kind of raging at me and, and uh, angry. And I was praying. I said, God, you're going to have to give me wisdom. I've never gone down this path before. And, and so we got down here. And he said, what am I going to do when I get there? And I'm just kind of making this up as I go because I've never done exactly this. And I said, you're going to sit in that chair. And somebody wheeled a chair out here. And our whole family were here. My girls were here. And I was so just, I was tied up in knots. And got him sat down in the chair and he looked up at me, still mad. He said, now what? And I, I just, I'll appeal to his American patriotism because that's something he can identify with. I said, I want you to put your right hand over your heart, Grandpa. Put your hand over your heart and just look up and tell the Lord I'm here for you. And so he kind of clenched his jaw for a minute and he put his hand over his heart and he looked right up at the ceiling right about here. And he said, well, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And the next words were in heavenly language. How great is our God? Stand with me. Stand with me. So many times God sets aside what we think is the natural sequence. He's able to not only answer prayer within the time frame of our human reference, but He's able to set in motion the answer before you're even aware of what the answer is. Because we know He's the great I Am. We understand that He's never in the process of becoming something more. He's not becoming better informed by our prayer. He's not becoming more powerful by our prayer. He's not in the process of becoming something tomorrow that he wasn't already yesterday. He is the great I am. And sometimes we sing a song about the descriptive names of God. Our God is more than enough. He can supply all our need. He is my El Shaddai. He always looks out for me. Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. God who provides. He doesn't provide out of some secret Cayman Island bank account. No, he provides out of the substance of himself. He knows what you need today. He knows the question. And he is the answer. He knows the solution. You don't have it. If you need a healing today, he's already taken the whip on his back. If you need salvation, he's already paid the price on Calvary. 
If you need deliverance, he's already provided that way of escape. I'm opening this altar right here, right now. I want you to come down here not trying to inform God of what he ought to do or how he ought to think or how he ought to move among us, but I want you to just come to him in faith believing that he's going to meet you here and he's got the answer that you need even before you make it to this altar. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost as you walk down this aisle. Lord, I'm here for you. Lord, I'm here for you. Lord, I'm here for your will to be accomplished in my life. Lord, I'm here for the answer that you alone can provide. God, I'm here for the, for the situation that, that I've been grappling with. I'm here for you to solve that. Why don't you lift up your hands to the Lord? all over this house, up in the balconies. Why don't you begin to praise the Lord from there? Walk to Him. Walk to Him in your faith. Call His name. Yes, Jesus.